Thanks for tuning in. This is Marcus Curtis, the better half of the MedVets, alongside Keith Palmer, one half of the MedVets, two brothers that are brothers making it happen. The MedVets is a show where entrepreneurs and military veterans join guests on the show to discuss some of healthcare's biggest challenges. We both have two unique perspectives in healthcare. The MedVets, healthcare is self-care. And if you don't know, now you know. I just want to thank everyone for tuning in to listen and subscribe so you can catch our weekly podcast. Thank you. Thank you both for joining us today. And, and again, you know, I just want to talk about, you know, women in healthcare and just really, I want to learn how you got started and what motivated you to get into healthcare. And then we'll also talk about your successes, talk about start processing and what really goes on behind the scenes in healthcare. Well, first of all, Keith, Marcus, uh, thank you for having us here. Two of my favorite topics mm-hmm. are uh, women mm-hmm. and then healthcare, yeah. because I've been in healthcare for, good Lord, I think pretty much all of my working life. Okay. As far as how I got in healthcare, yeah. I started out as a nurse assistant right after high school. After that, I ended up uh, as a dental assistant. Okay. Healthcare, it's like I just couldn't get out of it. And trying to find a job as a dental assistant years later is how I ended up in sterile processing because of the experience with sterilizing instruments. And then how did you start your company? I was working for a consultant company for three years and looking at a lot of the challenges that I saw at different facilities where they would have traveling technicians in, they would have different consultant companies in, and one place in particular, which was the last place I worked before I started my company, they had five different consulting companies in, and uh, I'm sorry, three different consulting companies and five different agencies with technicians, and no one was on the same page. And I thought, this is horrible, because mm-hmm. I know how much our company was charging, and and I just thought, this is, this is just horrible that you know, all these different people and no one's on the same page. So I thought it would be great to have a company that had all of the services where some companies offered one and some offered another. And then we could pretty much control everyone with having the same vision of how we were going to go about accomplishing the goals for the organization. What initially were some of your challenges getting into, you know, getting not necessarily getting into healthcare? but really just getting contracts with hospitals and just really sharing your vision, you know, with them. My challenges were looking like me. Being being a female, for one, and being an African-American female uh, was the other. I learned early on in order to be able to accomplish the goals that I was trying to accomplish by getting into a facility and making a difference with the start process and being a passion of mine that I needed to take my picture off of the website Mm -hmm. and just promote the things that we were going to do, the things that we had done to be able to to get our foot in the door to accomplish those goals. Unfortunately, that was, what was that, 2005 when we started? It's gotten a lot better mm-hmm. because we've uh, our reputation has allowed us to thrive in the industry. Every now and then, someone will dig deep and, oh, I didn't know you that you own the company. Mm. It's, it's okay because at the end of the day, as long as we're able to achieve mm. those results, the people that feel that way 
have that barrier mm -hmm. as far as color as long as we go in there and give them what they need. And sometimes those people have been our biggest advocate to give references or to call us back for something else that they may need. And I congratulate you on your success because I do recognize those challenges. And then especially being a woman also, those are an additional challenge. So I really commend you on what you've done you know, throughout the years, so. Honey, I would like to know, like, what about you? How would you say your experience has been as being an African-American female in the healthcare cell processing industry? Like Karen stated, some of the challenges have been similar because there are not very many, there's not very much representation, especially as far as administration goes. Um, it's becoming more and more common to see it in some coast, or you might see a few on the West Coast or some in in New York or so. I think for the most part, people are receptive over the phone when they feel like I'm maybe more of an administrative assistant or something. And then when I come in to actually handle paperwork, then it might change a little bit. My personality is one to where I really am very seldom shaken. So even when those challenges come forth and I have to figure out a way to position myself immediately mm -hmm. to make it a win for what our main goal is, and that's at the end of the day is for patient health care, mm -hmm. the patient care. I can't allow whatever their preconceived notions are or their own prejudices, whatever it is, I still have to figure out a way to combat that, figure out a way for a win for all, and, and just move forward. I was calling her Donnie. It's really funny. Sometimes we'll go into a place and they're expecting this big, yeah, this big man. <laughs> <laughs> and I did that intentionally too, but I, I forget because I've been doing it for so long. So that because it is different with people negotiating with women. It's kind of sometimes when we go and get our car fixed. It's I don't know as much about breaks, and people don't feel like I should know as much about being able to negotiate pricing because it's just not our place sometimes in the board. Donnie, through email, and people, it hurts my feelings when they call me Mr. Payne after talking to me on the phone. I still have to figure out a way to make it a win regardless of all those things. But yeah, that, that's just what we do. So can you tell us a little bit more about your two books? Let's talk about you. So my first book is CSPD Management, okay. What Should I Do?, and I wrote that because traveling, I would mentor people along the way, whether it's uh, leadership or whether it's frontline staff. And I would get calls or emails from people that they would say, Karen, this is what's going on. What would you do? What should I do? I don't know what to do. And so thus, what should I do? And that's why I wrote that book in hopes that it would help someone be able to navigate through a difficult process, and I wrote it off of a lot of experiences that I actually had. So that was that one. The other one is chicken from chicken poop to soup, which is based on my life. Okay. Wow. So yeah. Okay. I would just like to say. Um, I like to read that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's on Amazon. Okay. <laughs> Amazon. How, how can the listeners get it? Amazon and where else? Is that it? Amazon. Amazon. Lulu, I think, is where my uh, CSPD management, what should I do? It's, and on, it's also on the SIPS website. And it's on the SIPS website. Yeah. Is it just a hard copy or do you also have, do they do um, digital? No, yeah, what, digital is, what is not digital? Audiobook. Audiobook, yes. Uh, Amazon with the uh, chicken poop, you can. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's an audio version of it? I think so. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, no. This is Tell me about that. How was that, like just going through the process of working? writing a book, getting it published, and then to, like, receiving that feedback. How, how was that experience? You know, I have a great team. Okay. <laughs> I, I do. I, I have a great okay. team. It, Donnie calls me Z. 
because I, I come out with these ideas. She says that my idea is A, but then I go straight to Z. Wow. And so she has to help fill in B, C, D, E, F, you mm-hmm. know. And, and this is true. I didn't realize that until she said it, but that's just the way I am. And so having a great team in place and then Donnie with uh, the downline that she has, she, you know, she does, she gets it going and then she just delegates to whoever needs to take over whatever areas of their expertise is. And yeah, we make it happen. I was in California, I guess this was two years ago, and my goal was to complete the CSPD management. So, yeah, I was in California working slash vacation slash trying to finish that book, the CSPD management book. And then once I finished it, after 10 years of hearing people say, you need to write a book about your life because I'm always trying to help someone with challenges that they're going through because I think probably just about anything that anybody's experienced, I have a story. I'm like, Oprah, I have a story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and I agree with you. Having a great team really, you know, can support, you know, business owners, entrepreneurs, and you don't always get it right the first time, second time, or the third time, but it's a process. And so I do agree with having a good team mm-hmm. is very, very much needed in whatever industry that we're in. So with sterile processing, you know, that's something that, hospitals know about nurses and doctors but what should patients know about sterile processing or should they know anything about their instrumentation being processed i think patients think when they're getting ready to go to to a hospital have surgery they see doctors and nurses Mm -hmm. and that's who they depend on and that's who they think are getting everything ready for them always tell our staff we don't the only gratification we get is amongst ourselves and so I tell them getting into this field you it has to be something that you're passionate about because it's like going to a movie you know you see all the the makeup and the the great acting and and so everybody is saying oh he was great or she looked great that dress was beautiful but we're that little fine print at the bottom that makes that yeah the actor that makes that actor look great and so with with patients, the more that they know about the facility, even if they, you know, they inquire about infection rates, uh, I think that that's something that they, they need to know when they go into a hospital. Store processing staff are people that typically come from food service, McDonald's, Walgreens, or just, you know, just trading careers, mm-hmm. but they don't have any most of them don't have any certification because Texas is one of the states that does not require certification. And I'm actually going to Austin on the 27th of this month to get on the, I couldn't get on the agenda. I was trying to get on the agenda to talk about mandating certification for uh, Texas. However, I'm going to be one of the people when they ask, is anyone from the community have anything to say to try to get on the agenda for next month or so to talk about the importance of making it mandatory for store processing technicians to be certified. So it sounds like you're very passionate about store processing and just really making sure that everybody, you know, have a good understanding about instrumentation, infection rates, and getting that certification. So that's really good, good quality. When considering surgery... <clears throat> would you would you say that the sterile processing core or area center is the heartbeat of 
hospital? Oh, it, it definitely is, because if you didn't have the instruments, then the physician couldn't do what they do. The patient wouldn't be able to have surgery. So it all starts in sterile processing, and we're the best-kept secret in the basement. I would like to say, from my perspective, before joining with joining Karen and Sips, I, I thought that every single instrument was brand new. I, I had absolutely no idea that something being used on me was used on someone else. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's probably most consumers. You so. just automatically think that the smart doctors have these brand new packs and they're using it on you. And that's also why I thought healthcare was so expensive mm-hmm. because I was like, there's no way you can get a brand new saw and brand new light, you know, for every, every surgical procedure. So, but after learning, about sterile processing or essential sterile, it does make you want to be a little healthier. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was a little hesitant with the donuts you offered. <laughs> uh, it makes you want to be a little healthier because you then have to take into consideration everything that you don't see up front. Because mm-hmm. you don't, it's, it's past the shiny lobby, it's past the, the coffee shop, it's past the, the boutique and flowers, whatever, how... Uh, nice the doctors and nurses are because everything else behind the scenes is what really impacts your health. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the reasons that it made me a little more passionate about what we do. Okay. Because you, it's what you don't see, what you don't, they're always faceless heroes. I would like to know too, and I don't think we started off with the intro. So tell us a little bit how you started off with this, how you and Karen kind of connected and how it all started to become. So Karen and I have known her for a good portion of my life but when she moved here to texas it and she started sips ended up going off to california Mm -hmm. i think it was like almost immediately but i had ended up getting married at the time and we just kept in touch ended up renting from her and her house and as she was starting sips it's kind of what i was coming from because i had done some marketing and promotion but I was in entertainment Mm -hmm. so I did marketing and promotion and entertainment and it would just kind of work to everything she needed if she needed a website I was like yeah I can figure it out Mm -hmm. we'll we'll get some of that done I can do some posters some whatever so as the business grew we just continued to figure out new service lines and ways to to make those service lines work so and that was I guess 05. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just interesting hearing um, when Karen was speaking and hearing your story now how the two of you kind of mirror, I would say, kind of what the relationship how me and Keith have, right? But I do respect Karen and thank you very much for you know, giving Donnie her due diligence and saying how how crucial she is to <laughs> So but, but I, I do wanna Donnie downplays her talents. <laughs> Donnie was actually before she decided to get married, she's she's a gospel singer. She traveled it was a former life, yes. Yes. And former. Donnie has a beautiful voice. She still has uh videos out there if you Google her. Piggyback off what, what uh, Karen said is sterile processing is an integral part part of the operating room because you know, being in the field, being a medical device consultant is we take instruments and implants to them on a daily basis. Sometimes, you know, things are scheduled in advance. Sometimes they're scheduled, you know, last <laughs> minute. And, you know, you know, those uh, technicians are, they're very dedicated to what they're doing. They want to make sure that, you know, they get everything processed in a timely manner, but also want to make sure that they get things clean and ready to go for that that patient care. And they are behind the scenes. You know, they right. are that makeup artist. So they're not in front of the camera. 
they're not with a surgeon or or their nurses, but they are the ones that make everybody else look good kind of thing. So I do think sterile processing is one of those those gems that patients don't really consider. You know, I never thought about, you know, as a patient that you get new instruments, you know, all the time. That's exactly what I thought. So I was almost floored and was very upset to find out that it wasn't new. Yeah. (laughs) Is it how, how, how would you say it is, Keith, when you go to drop off your instruments to the sterile processing center, is it different every hospital? How is that process for you? That's another topic. I mean, I mean, I mean, no, I mean, no, seriously, is, is, it it is different. There is no, it's kind of like a change in the tire. So I'll look at that. When you got a flat tire, put a jack on your car, get a wrench, take everything off, put another one on. At different hospitals, one hospital may have one way of doing things. Another hospital may have their way of doing things. So to what I've seen, there really isn't a standard across the board. When you go to hospitals now for surgery, they do something called a timeout to make sure you have the right patient, right procedure, and things like that. When it comes to dropping off instrumentation, each hospital has their own process. So it's not standard, but there are challenges to that. And the reason why I said that's a different topic is because I think well, not I think. I know, you know, working with SIPS, I believe that we have something that can really impact patient care, impact the hospitals, mm-hmm. and really just create a standard for this. And with Karen, you know, going to um, to Austin, it shows that passion, dedication to the field that she's in. And so they do need certification, and not just for the technicians, but the hospitals need just standard across the board because instruments may come from different facilities. It may come from one hospital to another and it may not be getting processed the same way. So those are the things behind the scenes that nobody sees, but the technicians and the staff and sort of processing really do a good job of what they do. For the most part, they do the best that they know how. I've been in over a hundred hospitals and it's, it's, it's it's scary. It's really scary. Typically when I see staff that aren't paying a lot of attention to what, they, what they're doing or just taking shortcuts, I'll pull them all together and I'll say, by show of hands, how many of you, and I, asked, I think I wrote an article on this one, how many of you would have surgery where you work? So knowing that your coworkers clean these instruments and knowing that you cleaned them, if your family or you were to have surgery today, please raise your hand how many of you would feel comfortable. And it's usually like a group of 30, um, three hands might be the most. And then I'll just say, well, look around and see how many hands up. And then I'll say, is this fair? Is this fair that you accepted this job knowing that someone's coming here to have surgery and this is how you feel? And I think a lot of it is because of the low pay, because hospitals don't even, most hospitals don't even know uh, administration, up administration, what sterile processing is, where sterile processing is. So with our roles as consultants, we're trying to connect the C-suite to get them to come toward the sterile processing department to really understand. And, I mean, we know once a, a year, I think it's the second week of October, we have CS recognition. And so I always encourage the departments over the CS to make sure you get the C-suite down here 
to give them a tour so they can understand exactly, you know, from where the instruments are cleaned, pre-assembled, where they're sterilized, and where they're, you know, held for uh, storage. Because like you said, another segment, oh, I, I have so many scary stories. It's, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> Have to bring me back in on Halloween. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like you, I'm not, I'm not really cut out for mm -hmm. the field. Like I, I wouldn't be able to flourish in it. Yeah. So we all play our roles, and it's, it's we appreciate. Definitely. You, what you do. And we appreciate what you all do. <laughs> and Marcus, I appreciate you. So yeah. So. No, yeah, definitely. So hey, we got like ten more minutes. I would like to say, kind of, just I'm not sure if the listeners really understand what sterile processing is or what it entails. So if either Keith or Karen, maybe you both, you kind of want to give your take. If um, Keith, I'll start with you. What what is sterile processing? Like you, I was in the Air Force and I was stationed at a Keithley Air Force Base, and we did a rotation. Being a surgical tech, we had to learn about sterile processing. So I'll go from me being in the military is after surgery, the dirty, contaminated, bloody instruments would come down to us and we would have to don for layman terms, put on the protective equipment. Yeah, I was going to say, you being fancy. Personal, protect personal protective <laughs> equipment. <laughs> <laughs> and so that would be a face shield, gloves, apron, and just cleaning, washing the instruments and then put them in a wash sterilizer. And I'm, I'm not sure how to relate that to the audience that doesn't know, but it's just kind of like a going through a car wash, you right. know, just put the instrumentation in, you know, they're bloody and everything, and it's the big washer that's sterilizing them. Like a dishwasher, kind of? Like, like a dishwasher. They come out, and we would get them back together. Different trays would have different names, different instruments for different specialties, different procedures. We would put them back together, get them wrapped, and then get them sterilized. And when we talk about sterilization, is it's being autoclaved or heated at a certain temperature, to get any microorganism off of them. But that's my limited knowledge. I know Karen will, you know, outshine me on this explanation, but I, I'm we're, looking we're forward working to yours. together. Yeah, yeah, teamwork. So, yeah. yeah, it's funny the way he described it. I always say it's like putting <laughs> the instruments through a uh, cafeteria washer mm -hmm. because it's a smaller machine. We like to call them washer decontaminators. Because sterilization, different part, when they're going through the washer, they're actually being cleaned and then... Yeah, so back in Deacon Tam, where Keith set everything up with his fancy don, uh, <laughs> putting on all the proper PPEs, and inspecting instruments, because that, that's really important that the instruments are inspected, because what was used on Donnie, you want to make sure when it's used on you, Marcus, that that instrument is clean, that they've actually inspected it. It, it's yes, for, yeah, and so then it, it goes through the wash and decontaminate on the other side, as, as Keith said, where they inspect again. We want to make sure that we're continuously inspecting, and then the sets are all the instruments. We go down this little sheet, just like a recipe sheet, if you will, and we're making sure that all the right instruments are going back into that pan. And then they are wrapped or either containerized and put into sterilizer that the temperature is two, should be 270 to 272. So, you know, it gets pretty hot to kill all those bugs. And then it goes to what we call a holding area. Um, and 
that area, they get another sheet, which is called a preference card, particular to that doctor and to that patient that's having uh, the procedure. And then they pull all of the gowns and the gloves and then all those instrument sets that is that are particular to whatever uh, procedure that patient's having and just recycles once, as, as Keith says, once it's finished in the OR, the blood and gut comes back down. Yeah, so no, not all those instruments are new. You might get one new instrument because another <laughs> instrument broke hardness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would so. you share one of the story that really made you pay attention or the detail that you provide? I was already passionate about sterile processing uh, when I understood what we did in sterile processing, and Larry Morris was the person that trained me in sterile processing. Larry was an OR. I don't know if I told you the story before, but Larry was an OR. Surge tech. And uh, orthopedics was his specialty. Larry kept getting called down to the department because instruments would make it to the OR that still had bio burden in, in them. And so they asked Larry to come down and teach everybody how to inspect these ortho instruments. And Larry did such a phenomenal job. They just asked Larry if he would stay on as the educator. And that was two years before I even heard of sterile process. And so I feel fortunate that I had Larry to train me because he was so meticulous. His, we would tease if an instrument was on the table and the light was reflecting on it, Larry's walking by and it looked like there was something on there. Everybody here comes Larry. And so we'd say, Larry, you know, that's the light or whatever. But, I mean, that's how detailed he was to make sure that everything was right for that patient. If he went through the OR and he saw something out of place, he would say, now you know. And so, you know, he was hated in the OR and sterile process because he was always going to make sure you were doing what you needed to do. In 2012, Larry had to have knee surgery, and Larry caught an infection and died. And so I said, as long as I have breath, whenever I go talk to a group or whenever I can talk about how important it is to make sure that we don't cut any steps, whether it's in store processing, whether it's in the OR, you know, or whatever department that we work in in healthcare, to follow, make sure we're following all of our processes because it's up to us to make sure that we're protecting the patient. So, yeah, I, I, I smile when I think about Larry, even though Larry was two weeks younger than me. But when I think about what he instilled in me and that it's important for me to make sure that I instill that when I'm long gone that somebody can say, you know, this person helped me to get to this point. And so we just keep passing it on to keep health care industry strong. Thank you for sharing that story with us. Talking about infections, Larry had got an infection and he didn't make it through after that. Mm -hmm. I think hospital list infection rates on their website, should it be something that patients should pay attention to when they go to a hospital or a surgery center? What are your thoughts on that? I would say yes. I would say make the hospital accountable mm -hmm. because the more we make them accountable, the better that they do as far as making sure that the patients have the best outcome. I haven't looked into this, but do you know if hospitals, are they listing infections on their website? I, I thought somewhere, I thought it was JCO it was or something. It was supposed to start being mandated, I think maybe two years ago, but something has happened to where it's not. It, it has been in discussion, but I don't think it's mandatory for them to list their infection rate. But now with Yelp and all these other, <laughs> all these other platforms that people are commenting on, it is definitely making people more aware of some of the things that are happening in healthcare that we wouldn't have normally known about. Got it. Mm -hmm. Ask them for a tour of their sterile processing department. Hmm. 
I know anytime I'm going to have any kind of procedure at a center or wherever, I've been fortunate that I haven't had surgeries, but anytime I have any kind of procedure, I even go, when I go to get my nails and feet done, I'm saying, how are, your, how are you sterilizing instruments? Yeah. The yeah, they hate me. The dentist? Yeah, like yeah. How are you sterilizing? right to when you're going to get surgery, you're going to dentist to say, hey, I would like to see. I would yeah. test you right, just like you're checking out. You want to drive that car before you buy it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, from the, I mean, it is, they're, they're right, but most patients, that's not, they're looking at that. They want to make sure they're getting a total knee, total shoulder. Well, this is over they here they want to make sure that their surgeon doctor. has the capabilities of doing that because they can YouTube the procedure. They mm-hmm. cannot YouTube what's going on with the instrumentation mm-hmm. or anything else. So it's more, again, our processing is so critical because it's behind the scenes and the people, the technicians have to be dedicated and make sure that they're doing what's best you know, for the patient on the table, and like you said earlier, you're taking a poll as, you know, out of the 30, which one of you would have your family member, you know, have surgery here? Mm-hmm. That's a good question because you want to make sure that they're doing the right the right things. I but agree. but even for the listeners, I feel like even just that right there, right? If you're a, a patient getting a surgery, go take a tour of the sterile processing center, mm-hmm. right? See how They're the ones that's preparing is. your instruments. And if, and if it's not clean, contact SIPS, right? Let them come out. <laughs> And consulting, and, and how can how can listeners or hospitals reach you if they need some consulting in their sterile processing? Sipsconsults.com. What I would like to know is, let's say in the future, right? Do you see any changes in the future the way sterile processing is ran now? The employee, the consulting, the teaching, the know-how, right? How beyond what what you guys already have planned in the making? What future do you see? Future changes do you see happening within sterile processing? With initially, I think one of you all said that, you know, it it changed to where it's just all about money. And so many companies have just started trying to do everything where, you know, you were great with sharpening instruments or you were great with your products. And and then when sterile processing became it it became a department that people started knowing because of uh, all this. The hospitals that with the scope infections, where people were getting HIV and different diseases because scopes weren't being properly cleaned, then all of a sudden people started kind of looking at sterile processing. And then you had all these different companies, like I said, that just started hiring people and you know, charging a lot of money to have them in there, and they didn't know what they were doing. I, I want to say I think it, it's starting to, to balance back out because now hospitals are saying, it, we're in worse shape than we were before we called you. And we are one of those companies that are starting to partner with companies that have the same mindset that, yeah, we all, we all need to get paid. We have bills to pay. But our, you know, our, our passion, our, we've been doing this forever. We've been in healthcare, And so we want to make sure that uh, patients get what they need, hospitals get what they need. And so with us just continuing to drive the bus, I, I think we'll, we'll get there. We're getting, I feel like we're getting more and more people uh, on board that, and even with the hospitals, these are the things that you want to make sure, whether it's us that you, you know, you bring in or not, but these are the things that you should expect. Definitely see the industry investing a lot more in sterile processing because even as technology changes, so does instrumentation. Mm-hmm. So where everything was previously done by hand, now people have tracking systems or how the cameras are done, so people will continue to invest to make sure that the staff is a lot more knowledgeable Mm -hmm. in what they're doing to prevent some of those infection rates. What about 3D printing instruments? Have you seen any 3D printed instrumentation in hospitals? 
And are those instruments being processed through a cell processing center? I haven't seen any 3D. Okay. Maybe there are some single-use 3Ds, but I, I'm interested okay. in knowing. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're even using them. I just know it's a thing. I know hmm. some, some manufacturers are testing with implants, you know, as far as 3D printing, making it precise just for that patient. So um, I know that's something. That, that would be awesome. Mm -hmm. Would it be cost-effective? Because who's paying for it? 3D printed instruments, if they're being customized per patient, who's paying for that? Is it going to be the patient, the insurance company, the hospital? That's the topic for another day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really interested, especially now, mm -hmm. some of the sanctions and different things happening. So there's been some delay mm -hmm. in instruments being received or product being received. So there might be something that comes where people might not mind taking on the ownership because at least they know they can move forward with the surgical procedure. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in finding out more information about that. Yeah. Thank you again for joining us. I think we're done. Hey, thank you guys so much. Um, thank, is there anything else last word? Thank you. Keith, Karen, Donnie. So, I, yeah, this, this this was great, and I applaud you all for uh, taking this topic, taking the month of, of uh, March to celebrate women and, and healthcare and educate the public. So mm -hmm. thank you all. If you'd like to learn more about Karen Cherry and read up on her books, you can find more information at KarenCherry.me. That's K-A-R-E-N-C-H-E-R-R-Y dot me.